Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 underway. Friday edition is here from 6th and Peabody with off here in Old Smoky Moonshine. The entire cast and crew alongside for a jam-packed show to get you into the weekend. Off of the July 4th short week, Ready for a, a weekend of plenty to discuss. Wimbledon is on this weekend. We'll be watching that, in a, and we'll give you a reason why in a moment. Uh, beyond that, all eyes on college and pro football. Bobby Carpenter joins us in 20 minutes. Skylar Callahan with AllPanthers.com. He will join us in an hour. We'll chat about the Baker Mayfield trade to Carolina from Cleveland. Austin Price of AllQuest.com joins us as uh, they do each and every Friday in the 5 o'clock Eastern hour. And Tyrell Dotson, linebacker for the Buffalo Bills, joins us in studio during hour number two. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. One just passing thought that I had. When Rafa Nadal withdraws from Wimbledon and there's only one semifinal match, what does that cost Wimbledon, if anything? Do they owe money back? Probably. To television partners? That's a great question. Well, for not getting to, a second semifinal? Ticket buyers. Well, I don't know how the tickets work. Do they, I don't know. There's they buy like an all tournament pass. Do you? Well, there are no, some, well, there are some all tournament is passes. Is there fine been there. print that you just have semifinal tickets and you're there for both matches and you don't get a refund if one of them doesn't happen? The, so I my, don't know. Uh, Claire's uncle is actually there um, at Wimbledon. And going, going into the trip, he bought the all access pass for, for the, whole the whole campus which is tremendous um so i'll ask him i'll be able to text him and ask him about I, that i'd like to I, know how that surely works. you can buy the individual individual i would think so or semifinal i would think uh, so right? i think i think semifinal is probably a package for for the two yeah. matches so are you getting half your money back are you I, anyway there, there's is, probably there's probably on the back of the ticket a uh you're SOL yeah. if a guy defaults. There are times where I just uh, throw something out there in hopes that someone does the research yeah. or they report it and find out. But I was thinking when Nadal has to medically withdraw from the tournament, costing Wimbledon a semifinal, one of two on the men's side, what does that cost them, if anything? And there may be fine print with the with the TV contract I, too. I, probably. If a guy medically defaults, it's it's our everybody's tough luck. But it's classy video I passed you guys of him. Uh, yeah. leaving the facility, just going up to everybody, the desk people and everybody, anybody that asked for a picture, he posed, and he was thanking everybody. Obviously been there all, a lot and often and knows a lot of people, but super classy dude. Hugging, yeah, it's, hugging it's, and taking selfies with literally everybody who wanted one. You know, and it was a two-minute video, and yeah. it, it, you, you could tell he probably did 15 minutes of that. But yeah, easy to terrific. like the guy after watching that video of him doing that. It's funny because I, I'm reading this book about the history of HBO, and uh, Mary Carrillo is in a part of it about Wimbledon when HBO had the rights to Wimbledon. It said her first impression of Billie Jean King was their first day of working a full day on set together at Wimbledon 
calling a match, then doing a studio post post match show, and they're there all day. Was Billie Jean King went to every person in production and shook their hand and thanked them for working that day. And she said, "Always made an impact on me." Here was this legend. Yeah, I was not much of anyone in tennis, and every single day made a point to go to everyone on set and thank them for for their work that day. It's cool when somebody legendary knows cool. what an impact they can have by being like that for what's a relatively short amount of time, but the impact they can leave by being that. Dudes, I, I'm feeling great. I, you know, I've been eating well for three weeks now. I did Iron Tribe this morning and everything, yet I am sad and melancholy because you guys know I hate change and I've got this huge sentimental streak. And I don't know if you remember back I, when I was doing that little solo podcast, I did one about this barn near my yes. house. Yes. That is a yeah. very like it's the most landmarky thing. It's not even in my neighborhood, but it's in my area, let's say. It's probably three miles, four miles from my house. And I drive by it on a regular basis. And it got, I don't know if I told you, but like the last time there were tornadoes around, it took a beating. And it was down to the framework for most of the roof of the barn. But word was there was a discussion going on on like the expanded next door app. You know, you can take your next door app and go from your neighborhood to the general region to bigger. Word was that the owners of this were going to try to restore it. And they knew that people had an appreciation for it and it served as a landmark. But the tornado stripped it down to really bare bones. And, and then the most recent storm, this is a couple months ago again, dented in one side of the framework. And I thought, boy, if they're going to fix that, they're really putting in something. Well, I drove by it yesterday or the day before, and one side of that was gone. And then I drove by it yesterday, and it looked like this. Yeah, oh, so it's no. just a skeleton. So it, it's not even a skeleton. It's two sides, and the skeleton you can see in the middle is basically down. Yeah, it so looks like I a skateboard ramp. They're taking it. <laughs> I, I, they got, they're either taking it. looks like it, the start of Noah's Ark. They're either taking it down or they're rebuilding. <laughs> it's going to be a new barn. So now, the I'm thing about those, for a new barn. The but, thing about these old buildings that sucks, uh, because we have one on the family farm that was built uh, like 1901. And... Anything from that type of era and before, like especially in the rural parts of the country, they are literally built on about four rocks. Yeah, there's nothing like to the, it. The, they're built on four corners with massive stones, and that was the foundation of the home. So my parents were looking into trying to restore this family farmhouse, but you can't. Like, the, there's no way to get to the foundation of the, the actual bare bones of the structure to save it. So they're in the process of taking it down as we speak. So that makes me sad that, too. But I'm, I'm sure, like if a house can barely stand from that era, I can't imagine how long. Like, how many tornadoes do you think this building survived? I don't through? know because this this spot, you might know it, Chad. It's at Moore's Lane. I know exactly where you're talking yeah, about. How it survived anything semi-tornadic is yeah. a miracle. No, I agree. Based on what you're saying, I'm sure it doesn't have much of a foundation. It's a, it's a beautiful building, white and red. <laughs> you can get a hint of it. Uh, but I, I, when I did the podcast on it, I talked about how my sadness for it being a creaky may, it disgusted me because I felt more about the building, this landmark, than I felt about <laughs> some things that were actually important in my life. 
at times. Well, I think and the, now it you, makes me sad that other, it's probably going away, and that affects me more than some real bleep in my life. The other thing that sucks too is you see, I see that photo, and I think that will soon be like a Dunkin' Donuts or a Starbucks. Well, it's it's not commercial, but it, it's already hut roped off, and they're building houses around it. They, yeah. they carved it out to leave it there while they build two dozen houses it's around. It's going to be a collection it. of townhomes. Or yeah, ha- houses, no, houses with an eighth of an acre. Yeah, you know right. that it's going to be on. They're with gonna, no room for put, a pool or a playground because they can't waste the property that they can't They're going to sell fit twenty homes on that property where that barn is right now. Yeah. Is probably my guess. And the developers probably thinking, "Oh, great, the barn's down. Maybe I could buy that and build two houses on it." It also looks like a property we would throw a keg party on back in the early two no thousands. Yeah. And you would like tell stories about what goes on in the barn the whole time. There'd be mythology around the barn, so and no one would ever step foot in the barn. Oh, yeah. The this, keg party would happen in the field the next to the barn. So this is a great seg. Um, Chad, you, you mentioned the mythology, but there's little mythology going on in, in the Withrow household. Uh, ghosts oh. and goblins and ghouls. So I am without my family for the next nine days. They are in Nebraska Whoa. right now. So Speaking of parties. There was a very, uh, very, very early uh, <laughs> wake-up call this morning. And uh, we had to wake up at 445 to leave the house at 5 to get them to the airport. And I'm driving them to the airport. Alarm set for 445 a.m. Well, at 436 a.m., I hear, Daddy, 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 from my oldest daughter's room. So I go in there, and she sounds distressed. Like something's going, not just a normal wake up, like somebody come get me type thing. Go into her room, and there is this strange noise. Like I just got done watching Stranger Things, and it's this weird mechanical. The best way I could describe it, going over and over. I feel like a a drowning cat. And she's pointing to her her nightstand. (laughs) And I'm, I'm listening to it. She's like, what is this noise? You know, she's freaked out, which I would be too. And it's her uh, star projector. She's got like a little oh. uh, alarm clock that, that you, you hit it, and it's got the stars that go up on the wall when you click it. Battery was going out. <clears throat> so this thing is dying, making this weird sound. Well, Angie and I have no time to mess with this, right? Like we're getting them ready to throw them in the car. You just take it and smash going. it. No, I just walk it back into like my closet in the bedroom. And we don't mess with it. Leave, go. And Angie says when we're dropping her off, she's like, hey, you're going to have to get a screwdriver out to get the battery out, or it's just eventually just going to die on its own. Well, this thing's still going strong. I did not go back to sleep when I got home. Just could not go back to sleep. Started getting ready for the day. I'm showering, getting ready to come in. This is seven hours, six, seven hours at this point after it started going off in the middle of the night. Still making that crazy noise. So now I'm kind of fascinated to see how long this battery problem can last. And every morning I'm going to wake up and go and check and see if that noise is still happening. I'm impressed that Evie or maybe it's just haunted. Stuck it maybe. out maybe. and didn't just like tear out of there, but called you in with the curiosity to examine it rather than just getting the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, I would have. I would have probably at seven years old just you know run out into the yard yeah. or something, thinking I was being attacked in the house. That's big by her. I commend her. I get caught down the the rabbit hole of YouTube and then the 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 reels on Instagram. And there's clearly an algorithm because they know what I yeah, sit there and watch. They're right up your alley. But like, there is uh, there are these ones where it's like some of the freakiest things you'll see on Earth, or uh, why 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 you don't swim in the ocean, like those the themes like they that. Can't you can't get s- me on that. Those are like 15 seconds long, and then you see like a whale come out and just cap just go right over a boat or whatever. Um, and I hesitate to even tell Chad this because you know I, I am thinking of it as he's telling the story. 
but there is this one that I saw literally last night of this kid, this toddler who's in the bathroom, in the doorway of the bathroom, talking to the ceiling. And the mom comes up with her phone and says, who are you talking to? Who are you, who are you telling goodnight? And he's, he, the kid points up at the vent in the ceiling where they later found some dude in their attic. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. That's freaky. How got, cra- I, like, that, like, you see the kid clearly was talking to that guy or whoever it was. And the mom never saw it and was getting on to the child for it. Didn't and then, our, like, fine print at the bottom. Like, two weeks later, they found so-and-so up there. Didn't our That's old boss, creepy. Brad Willis, have a family member who had someone living in their attic? At one point? Uh, I, I could text know. and find out. I feel like this is a story he told at one point. Like, his sister maybe had someone that snuck into their attic and was living there? That's well, the other night, it's, it's always, you get those eerie little feelings like something's off. Okay, like you're in the house and you hear something that's just not yeah, right. Yeah, The other night... I'm putting my daughter to bed, and Angie stops me, and she just starts pointing up. It's funny you mention this, pointing up to her the attics in her room, and she's like, her "Did room water or just your room? in in oh in Evie's in Evie's Sorry. room? Yeah, I'm putting Evie to bed, pointing up, and she says water just dripped on me from the attic. Like, is something going? On? I'm like, well, the air conditioning unit's up there, so maybe maybe it's that. I think it was just a figment of her imagination. Cause I sat there for five minutes. Watching, waiting, trying to feel water, and nothing came down. But there's that moment where you're thinking, could there be someone up in that, in that attic right now? That just odd feeling of, yeah, there's a- what are you seeing and why do you look so scared? When you're around someone, you can see it in their face, like something's off here. What's going on? I'm going to go back to these reels for a second. Because I watch videos on Facebook, and it's fine, obviously. But I watch some of these reels, they cut off. And... And then you can't get, I can't go to Instagram. Like they won't take me to Instagram where they originate, but there seems to be a time limit on the reel. So I invest in a reel, however many seconds or minutes, then it cuts off before the punchline or the finish of the trick or whatever. So it seems like it doesn't marry very well with Instagram and I get all pissed off. I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know if it's like a TikTok to Instagram transition that they're doing or something. Uh, Cause half the time, I, I see something that I think is cool and I share it and I get a message back from somebody that's like, yeah, this has been on TikTok for like a month, you know, and Instagram's always uh, second to second in line on that. By the way, I heard back from Danny uh, over at Wimbledon. He said, hey, each ticket is for a particular day. Wimbledon offered a refund if you held a ticket for center court today. If you bought from a third party broker, you were screwed. We got lucky. We had tickets for Monday and Wednesday. So you had a blast. Nice. So there's your answer. So Wimbledon Good. did offer the refund. Now we need to find out the television the contract part. if they if they owe money back or if they're just protected. I'll text and uh, I'll tweet Andrew Marchand uh, of the New York Post. He's very responsive to me. I was having trouble nailing down the Yankees play-by-play guy last night for sure, who didn't identify himself during the telecast. It's Ryan Ruoco, who subs for Michael Kay and is excellent. But I thought it could have been Bob Lorenz, and he never said anything during the show. So I just, just assume. texted him. I texted Marchand. I said, is this Ruoco doing the Yankee game on yes? And he immediately answered, yes. Hit yes. us up yes on, on yes. Twitter. On yes. At Outkick360 is where you can find us. Coming up, Bobby Carpenter joins the show. A lot to discuss with the former Buckeye. As we will get into Oregon and Washington and what's next for the Big Ten. The, the story that we did not hit with him last week, that Ohio State considered going independent during COVID and coming up with their own television deal. 
We'll get Bobby's take on that. Plus, he has a great rookie dinner story that he wants to add to our discussion from a couple of weeks ago. His second year in the league. He tells that story with us next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Tyrell Dodson, linebacker for the Buffalo Bills, will join us in studio today. That's coming up in an hour. Austin Price of AllQuest.com, plus Skylar Callahan of AllPanthers.com. I hope I got that right. I think so. AllPanthers.com. Uh, he will be with us uh, coming up in 40 minutes. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. And we uh, got some big topics. I, I have some information Paul, you were asking during the break what Chad's going to be up to while his family's in Nebraska before he meets them there. I have, I have a record. I, I, he's going to be trying to bootleg a new album that I, I have for him. Is uh, it going to number one in the country charts? And maybe for 50 consecutive weeks. I have no idea what this is, but I can't wait to oh, hear about it. This is going to be a total it is, surprise. It is uh, Chad with well, I know jam. the genre. It's, it, well, there's only like two or three to choose from uh, or what they, it could be. They all grew up. Yes. Uh, there is a free agency watch. We don't talk a ton of NHL. There's a free agency watch for the 13th of July to keep an eye on. We'll tell you who that player is and why it's important uh, across the, the southern region of our listening audience. And an all-time hockey name that we pass along to you. We also Spike. say hello to Bobby Carpenter. Uh, that is synonymous with football, much like this hockey name will be with hockey. Uh, Bobby, hope you're doing well, man. Doing great, guys. You know, I mean, watched a little bit of the NHL draft last night when you're watching a couple uh, draftees' parents kind of pseudo-make out when he gets drafted. I mean, that's, that's a win for everybody, is it not? So Got to give the people what they want, Bobby. That's what they were doing. Giving that's the people better what than they the want. NBA parents were doing, so yeah, no doubt. Just step up. I'm just I'm, – what, what were you doing watching the NHL yeah, draft? that seems uncharacteristic. Hey, listen, we had the Columbus Blue Jackets. They had the uh, sixth and twelfth pick, so trying to make sure – keeping abreast with that for my local radio show so okay i'll dip in and dip out it was like a it's not the nfl draft for me it's not appointment watching but um i'll dip in and dip out i thought they did a pretty good job on the coverage what, at least what, what i saw what percentage of your show this morning was about the blue jackets draft oh goodness Sports three update. hours i would say we touched on it every hour for probably five to seven minutes then we had mark shaggy the hockey writers on for probably 15 so maybe 15 to 20%. I mean, the rest of the stuff is going to generally be NFL news. And, uh, you know, still with all the craziness that's uh, swirling around college football right now, that's basically been dominating everything. We know the formula. That sounds a little hockey heavy, but not bad. Yeah, we, we have a, a, a couple headlines from last week to hit with you. And I want to get to a list that you retweeted. Oh, uh, I had Bobby that on well. my list too. Um, but first, the, the, the story that came out that Ohio State was considering going independent during COVID and that w they would negotiate their own television contract. Um, 
we don't deal with a lot of what ifs because we know how things played out. They eventually played. But as a Buckeye yourself, what do you think this would have turned into had they decided to go independent? My goodness. Uh, I, I don't know if that would have been a long-term play. I do know this. Like Ohio State was very frustrated with the attitude that the rest of the conference had taken with that. And I think it kind of was directed from the top with Kevin Warren. And a lot of that was reciprocated by the Pac-12. And then all of a sudden, they saw the ACC, Big 12 kind of joining with the SEC. And here's the thing. Ohio State you know, athletically tries to be all things to all people. They want to try to be you know, an SEC football program um, and compete at the highest level there and do that on a national scale. And they've done a pretty darn good job of it. But then they also want to sit there and try to be you know, 36 varsity sports and play nice and be a good partner to the rest of the Big 10 when the reality is, you know, they're carrying the majority of the weight as far as the TV rights. And then also, you know, with that, you know, the fan base and also the national prestige of being able to play in a lot of these, you know, elite national games. And they're like, we're the team that's out here driving it. If you guys aren't going to, you know, at least let us go play and try to win a national championship. Like, I think that was the frustration with Gene Smith. And you know, he had mentioned that at the time. And I do know this. I mean, they looked into it legally, what it would take the financial penalties to break out. I mean, so it was something that they kind of researched a little bit and it was kind of a fleeting thought. And then the next, I think, uh, play was, hey, how do we get everybody on the same team? But yes, um, there was a lot there, obviously, with what they were what they were ultimately trying to do. And it was, uh, it, it was Gene Smith speaking probably more candidly than most people are used to. And it's not, you know, it's hard for me not to read into the leadership qualities of last year, uh, the COVID year, and what we what we just saw. And it, for example, Gene Smith's trying, and he, he's admitting, hey, we, we consider going independent in 2020 because Kevin Warren was shutting things down at the start of everything. Well, this past this past week, it was Gene Smith and Ohio State that came out publicly about USC and UCLA, right? They were the first to comment on that from the Big Ten standpoint. It wasn't Kevin Warren. What do you make of Ohio State taking the leadership role in that? I think it's something that they've needed to do. And Gene talks all the time about being a good partner to the league and in the conference and trying to make sure he's doing right by everybody. You know, but at some point, I think that this USC um, UCLA bit happened. And if you look at it, no one's going to come out overtly and say this, but if you can connect the dots, I mean, Martin Jarman, UCLA's athletic director, worked directly under Gene Smith at Ohio State. Mike Bone was at Cincinnati. And I know that they had a lot of discussions back when he was here, and they're very friendly as well. And make no mistake, I mean, he is the commonality, the common thread that connects those guys to the Big Ten. And the fact that I still don't think, I mean, I've looked around, and I just want to make sure I don't, I haven't missed anything, but I don't think anybody from the Big Ten office has commented uh, verbally, I mean, we've seen the statement pushed pushed out. You know, and, you know, it's on social media and you know the press release, but nobody's gotten in front of a camera and answered any questions other than Gene Smith, who, who's the AD, and then President Christina Johnson. So, I was waiting this week. 
you know, 4th of July was Monday. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you Tuesday. But by like Wednesday or Thursday, you would have thought someone from the league office would have sat down and done an interview and had a press conference answering questions. Is this done? What were the qualifications? Why now? Someone in official capacity with the conference, which was very surprising to me. And I, I don't believe that any of the other athletic directors across the Big Ten have, have commented on it either. And frankly, you know, I, no one in the Pac-12, like, I don't think has really got out there. They've They've issued some statements, but no one's really commented on this because I, I think there's still a little bit of obviously the shifting of the sands and people trying to figure out exactly how this is all going to transpire and what exactly is going to happen. So you know, there's a lot to digest there with it. But Ohio State finally taking the leadership role and looking around and saying, if we don't go after these guys now, it, we had a chance with uh, Texas and Oklahoma. We probably could have pulled them in prior to the, the SEC if we really would have pursued it hard. They chose not to. Cannot be passive anymore. And so this, to me, has Gene Smith's fingerprints all over it in a very positive and good way because I think it was something that obviously had to happen because if it didn't, who knows what it would have looked like. Bobby, did former Buckeye and current Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman walk back his comments enough for you when he was quoted as saying, you have to go to class at Notre Dame, unlike at Ohio State? He came back and said, I would never – discredit Ohio State he's talking about how big the school is and if you miss class you can make it up online or go to appointments and you just can't do that at Notre Dame did he walk it back enough for you as a Buckeye so the comments that he the retraction was actually issued on my radio station in Columbus he texted me in the morning and wanted to come on and explain and Marcus he's a friend and I was like I'm going to give you the opportunity I'm going to ask some tough questions um but what he he read the transcript he was I, I talked to uh was it Dennis Dodd who he sat down with, I believe? And he goes, he gave me the transcript. And what he basically said was, he's like, Notre Dame has 8,000 students, to paraphrase him. He's like, at Ohio State, you got 60. You know, at schools like Cincinnati, where he was at before, he's like, you got 35, 40,000. If you don't go to class, nobody notices within the academic realm. And he goes, if you don't go to class at Notre Dame, when you have a class of 30 people, the professor's going to notice. Now, obviously, at Ohio State, I told Marcus this. I'm like, buddy, don't, don't give me that. Like, I went to class. A lot of guys have gone to class. It's, it's a personal choice. And frankly, if you get good grades, what does it matter if you go anyway? Because normal students only go as much as they need to anyway. So I, I felt like he pulled it back enough. And to talk to it more about being about the size of the school. And a lot of people didn't realize how small, uh, small of university Notre Dame is. Like, the University of Dayton has like four. 14,000 people. So Notre Dame, just in the fact that it's a Catholic school and private is one thing, but it is very, very small. Classes are small. And I think he was trying to pitch more of the intimate experience of what it's going to be. And he, I, I thought it was sufficient. There are still a lot of Ohio State fans that, I mean, it would never be sufficient enough for them. But I thought it was genuine. I thought it was very genuine. And he read the transcript and Dennis Dodd had kind of lopped off the front of it where he kind of qualified what he was saying. So, big picture question for you here. A lot of Notre Dame and Ohio State tie-ins here to start your segment with us. If Notre Dame can be a member of the ACC in all but football, can't these football super conferences just allow teams to break off from their current conference and only compete in football and stay in their conference? Example, if USC and UCLA don't want to send their volleyball team to Rutgers, why don't they just stay in the Pac-12? and just allow these football-dictated decisions to be about football 
and not require the entire athletic department to join a conference. Would that work? Here's the thing, though. Notre Dame was never in a conference initially. And so I think they had a loose affiliation with the Big East, and obviously that, that changed. And then ultimately now at the ACC, but they were never in the AC pulling out. And the, I think what people were very upset about, it's like, you know, getting separated or divorced from your wife, dating someone else and living in the same house. Like, all right, yeah, it's good for the kids. And then this works, but like the top line isn't going to equate because the big 10 is going to be dumping a hundred million dollars into your athletic budget. Whereas the rest of the schools in the PAC 12 are getting like 30. And so there would be a massive inequality there. And I think there'd be a lot of animosity. And so what you're saying in theory, I think would work really well where, Hey, football, you guys go do this, you know, basketball, maybe if you want to do something, but the Olympic sports stay in your region where it's easier to travel and where everybody kind of values the same thing. Um, that would work, I think, on paper, but I just don't know if you could actually leave. And in doing so, you have to think. USC and UCLA sucked a ton of cash and bargaining power out of the Pac-12's media rights deal. And so I think a lot of people are looking at that now like sour grapes. They don't want to be a part of that. And like I said, in theory, it should work, but we're dealing with human beings and not robots here. And I don't know if that they could be able to coexist in that manner. I'm curious about how you view the value of Oregon. You uh, you retweeted a, a, what I find to be a fascinating nugget. Since 2000, Oregon has more AP poll appearances and top 10 AP poll appearances than every Big Ten program except Ohio State, including USC. And I think with that, Oregon, you know, as far as recently, last 20 years, they've been pretty darn good. They got a lot of cash that's sunk into them. Phil Knight obviously has poured a lot in there with Nike. Their facilities are unreal. They have a small local market, but I think there is a broad national appeal to uh, Oregon. I would equate them a little bit to almost the, the hurricanes of the 80s and 90s just without the national championships. They've been in those games. They've been on big stages. They have the sweet uniforms. Everybody knows them. It's it's a relatively small market. And I know Miami's a big market, but it's not a college football market. You know, so, but they didn't necessarily have that big local following to pull from. But nationally, people like to watch Oregon. And so I do believe that there, there's a lot of value there with them, despite the fact that you know, Oregon's not a very big state. There's not a whole lot of fans, but they do fill up their. Here's what I want to know like, what's the passion? Oregon doesn't have the biggest stadium in the world, but I think they're first or second right behind Washington or Utah, right around in there where uh, the, the stadium capacity percentage is near the top of their conference, where they only have a 60-some-odd-thousand-seat stadium. But people fill it up, man. They go. They care. It matters to them. As opposed to even at USC, where the Coliseum, yeah, you may get 65,000 people in there, but it, it's a bad place to watch a game. I get it. But it still holds like 90, and you're telling me you can't get more in there than that. Like that's kind of mind-blowing as far as looking at it. So Oregon, I do think there's a lot of value there. And hopefully, my mind, like, I would love to see Oregon and Washington join the Big Ten, pull in Stanford, pull in Notre Dame. And I think you've got a pretty good deal uh, going right there. And until probably the ACC is fractured here in five years when their media rights deal is easier to break. Bobby so Carpenter, our guest. So, Bobby, it's one thing when Nick Saban goes and says and starts whining about, you know, uh, these guys are getting paid to go there and I'm competing against this when he's making the plea for businesses to step up and help his program. Is it unfair of me to think that Mark Stoops is headed for a downfall when he is whining about now having to compete against players who are getting paid more than his guys? 
while he pleads for local business in an interview with Kentucky Sports Radio to step up and help him because his program is behind when it comes to that? Well, I do think that there is uh, – he does have momentum on his side right now. If you look at Mark Stoops, what he's done at Kentucky over the last five years – I mean, they've been on a pretty nice trajectory of success and had a pretty nice year last year. I think they're set up and positioned well to have success in the future. And, you know, he's got to be realistic. Like, you're in Lexington, Kentucky. Like, it's, it's a decently decent city. I mean, there's obviously a lot of money that comes in there from the horse racing industry. Like, you have opportunities. But all of these coaches, I mean, I, I was sitting there, Ryan Day, it's at the, the Central Ohio Auto Dealers Association. All of these guys, like all the head coaches, they want to make sure that they have enough. And it's enough to not for the big NIL deals for some of these guys, but to make sure they have an opportunity so that everybody that comes in, they're getting their quote stipend of whether or not that's 25,000, 35,000, 50,000, whatever that number is, every recruit that comes there, this is what we can offer you baseline. And now over and above, that's going to be on you and maybe the position you play. But I, I think all these coaches are doing this. Anybody who's actually trying to win and feels like they have a, a good chance of getting some of these recruits, you just have to be able to put it on a level playing field. So I don't I don't view it as whining. Like I, They're pitching. They're out there trying to let people know the problems. And if you like having a good football team and you want that success to continue, these are the table stakes, and you're going to have to help us to get involved. So Hutton and I are both very curious about this uh, 24-7 list you retweeted of the most intimidating stadiums for 22, for 2022. A lot of people on their Twitter bio put, you know, retweets are not endorsements. So I'm particularly curious if you're endorsing this list, which has Clemson number one, Ohio State number two, and UT Tennessee number three. Is this a concession that Clemson is better than Ohio State as a, as a stadium venue this coming year? So, first of all, I've never been to Death Valley, so I, I try not to judge stadiums that I haven't been to. I've watched it on TV. It has a lot of juice. Um, I mean, I'm obviously partial to Ohio State. I don't have any more room in my Twitter bio to put anything else where retweets aren't endorsements. People can take them kind of however they want. I think it's the retweet is just helping to put out more information Um as opposed to you know whether or not you can read a teleprompter correctly, and you know, I may share something like that that I think is funny. Maybe it's an endorsement. Maybe it's just the sharing of information. But you know, ultimately, as far as where we're going with the stadiums, like there's a lot of stadiums on that list that I would say are very accurate. You can reshuffle that thing and kind of move it around, and everybody's obviously going to be partial to their home stadium. Um, but I, I mean, I haven't been to Death Valley. There's a lot of places in the SEC I have not been. Um, a lot of places out west. I haven't been as well. So I try to refrain uh, from judging other schools when I haven't been uh, to one of their games. Like I, I promised one of my friends I'd go to Baton Rouge for a night game because they, they say it's the best night experience around. And I've, I've played in a couple of night games, I think in pretty great environments. So I want to see that to kind of be able to put it against it to kind of see where we're at. Bobby, uh, let's go to year two of you in the NFL. Rookie dinners were a topic that we had on the show a couple of weeks ago. And you sent me a text afterwards. I think it came to mind like, oh, I've got an epic story about year number two and a rookie dinner that you attended. Um, I'll, you have the floor, sir. All right. So because the, the topic came out about you know rookie dinners, and I believe Tory Smith was the one that said it's terrible, bad financial literacy. We're teaching you know, bad habits. And, it's, and I, I defend it. Like, it's, it's a rite of passage. And 
guys can pay first round draft picks can go pay 10, 15 grand one time for a dinner. And it's up to the vets to not take advantage of them. And I, and I kind of outlined how the guys threw some cash in for us, the offensive line, you know, on their offensive dinner, they usually have five or six grand. They'd throw to the rookies. They wouldn't tell them, but they'd give it to them at the end of the night, you know, as long as they did some stuff. Um, but my second year, Anthony Spencer, we had drafted, he's drafting the first round out of Purdue outside linebacker. You know, he's coming there competing with me, but I like Spence, man. He was a good dude. And I had good vets that took care of me. And so Spence, we literally ride to our rookie dinner together. I pick him up, take him down there, live down the street from me. And we're sitting there at the end of the night and all the, and it's tradition. Everyone, but the rookies, they all get up and leave. You know, they, the guys, they see the bill coming. Everyone's like, all right, guys, you know, we'll see you at the club or see, you know, see you tomorrow, whatever it is. A lot of times you go out and you have a drink or something afterwards, but you get up and everyone walks out. So I'm, I'm staying, I'm still sitting there because Spence is I'm his ride. So I'm just going to wait. So he takes his credit card out, puts it in you know, the envelope, gives it to him. They kind of divvy it up. You know, his was $10,000. And I'm like, all right. And I was like, dude, I'll take a grand of that for you. Like here, and I put my credit card in there with it. So the, the, the server comes back. She's like, sir, your, your card has been declined looking at Anthony. And I'm like, you mean, he's it's like, he goes, dude, it's, it's good. I, I just got it. I go, when did you just get it? He goes, I got it this morning. Oh. I'm like, wait, hold on. I was like, this is the first charge you're trying to put on. He goes, <laughs> like, bro, they're not letting you put on. A $10,000 Nick and Sam's bill like, that's getting burned out every time. So I was like, I look at him and he's like, like all right, dude, like, I got it. Just pay me tomorrow. Bring me a check. So I, I eat the, I eat it, you know, buy whatever it was. I think it was 10. I go, I'll put it all on here. He goes, Spence, give me a check for $9,000 tomorrow. So I, I, next day he comes in, forgets the check. I'm like, come on, Anthony. Like, dude, it's, it's not, I'm not starving over here, but I don't want this to linger into like week six. And I'm still asking you for nine grand. So the next day he brings in the check, gives it to me. You know, we're, we're busy running around. My wife's like, Hey, leave it on the counter for I'm like, Hey, cash this check tomorrow. This is before taking pictures and all that stuff. So she goes to the bank and the bank looks at her. Like, we can't take this. And I say, like, what do you mean? And she goes, he never signed it. Oh, and I'm like, God. <laughs> I'm like, you have to be kidding me. Go back to Spence, like, bro. That's a Costanza stall tactic. <laughs> Here's the thing. It wasn't even, it wasn't an intentional thing like Costanza. I'm like, Anthony, have you ever written a check? He's like, no, dude, I just got this checkbook today. <laughs> I'm like, my goodness, man. Like, we're gonna we have to sit down, we're gonna walk ourselves through these paces and kind of understand what it's like to be an adult. I go, what would you have done if I wasn't there? He's like, I, I don't know. Called my agent. I'm like, that's this pretty- is where we are, but that's those are like the good stories, man, of like where but it ultimately this goes. This is the like, opposite of what Tory Smith was saying. You were actually yeah. educating him in, in a good way on finance. It's a first charge and first check, ten grand. Yeah. I, I, exactly. I could have been a jerk and walked out and be like, get your own ride home. But it's like, dude, you're, you're a friend of mine. You're a teammate. You're a good dude. Everything's all all well and good. So, I mean, it it, it ended up being fine. And, and honestly, one other quick one. I know you guys are trying to get out. My third or fourth year, I would I went to the off offensive rookie dinner as well. Roma went and were good buddies, all the offensive linemen. So we go there. They drafted a guy named Doug Free. He was the highest drafted player that year. And I think he was a third rounder because Jerry had traded away the other picks for Roy Williams. We bring him in and they're hitting him up and they're the offensive linemen are, you know, pressuring him hard. It may have been even the same. I think it was the next year. And anyway, and um, 
they all of a sudden one of the guys pulls out. He's like, all right, here's the fine money from the year before that they have little fines in their rooms. It was like $6,000 and the bill was like 10 or bill was like probably 20. And yeah, I watched it, it one of the guys, 10, but take, the defense decided to show up too. <laughs> exactly. Well, just me. It was just me. And I, I didn't listen. I'm not hurting those guys. I watched them take a whole little tray of hot lobster butter, dump it into a goblet. They fill up a water goblet all the way. They take a piece of uh, New York strip fat that they had been cut off. They garnish the side of it, and they look at Doug Free, and they're like, we'll give you the fine money if you drink that. <laughs> my man Doug is from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, small town, like big grizzly bear, hunter, fisher, and he just looks at that, he's like, all right, and takes it. Before anybody can tell him it was a joke, it was just to see if he would, he starts chugging that lobster butter, dude. It's coming out of his nose. <laughs> Witten has the weakest stomach in the world. Witten's like looking about to gag. And then you see him hit that piece of strip steak fat and he's oh. and like chokes it down. Witten had to walk out of the room. He's about to throw up all over himself. And we just look like, and Mark, Mark Columbo, our offensive tackle goes, dude, I was going to give you the money anyway. <laughs> like, I didn't think you'd actually drink it, but dude, like you're good with us. Like anything you need, we got you. How now. did he recover Amazing. from that? I, I He said... He was fine. I go, dude, I want you to take a picture of the toilet the next day because you might be able to light it on fire. You had so much oil in your body. That's what we tried to do with Chad whenever he tried to eat beef heart. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. Same, same reaction. It's a disaster. I, I, uh, also, I documented that. Strangely enough, this was like 20, 2017, but I also had a phone that didn't take pictures at that point. So I was the same problem you had way back when, Bobby. Bobby Carpenter has been our guest. Always great catching up with you, man. Uh, maybe this weekend you'll see Top Gun for a fifth time. No, he did. Oh, a He's time. up to six now. Yeah. He's It'd be six. Times. I don't know if I have that much time. I finally I think saw five. Hey, Bobby, real, real quick, uh, I've got Top Gun news here. Um, there's discussions about a sequel to Top Gun Maverick, officially. That is confirmed by Miles Teller, who said Tom Cruise called him to discuss it. And Miles Teller says it is totally Tom Cruise's decision and his alone if there's going to be a sequel. How about that? If they do it, it's got to be good. And, that's, and I think Tom right, knows that. Now. Thanks. That's what I'm saying. The check will be big, but I don't think Tom needs any more money after this. He wants to do a great movie. He's not going to do a garbage sequel. So if he does it, I'm trusting that it will be good. Probably not as good as Maverick, but I'm thinking it'll be pretty solid. Bobby, thank you. Have a great weekend. See you, Bobby. Take care. Uh, thanks, Bobby guys. Bobby Carpenter, our guest. A new album that will make Chad's 2022 the most joyous year of his life. I'll explain next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on. I uh, found out yesterday, Chad, I was watching. I don't know what I was watching. They were promoting this. What were you watching? Uh, it was an ad, that, but it, it was a music show. Okay. Um, I'm here to tell you that you will have a new Christmas album oh, yeah? this year from Backstreet Boys. The first and only Christmas album from the Backstreet Boys. For those that don't know, 
Chad He's loves a boy band Backstreet guy. Boys. And I mean, he'll tell you totally the affinity for it. I was at a concert two years ago. It drops October 14th with three original Christmas songs plus what you would expect on a Christmas album. New classics. A very for sure. Backstreet Christmas is the name of the album. What do you hope's uh, on there? A little drummer boy? What are your favorites? What I hope... Oh, come all you faithful? Is that they... Of course, <laughs> oh, the holy night. Oh, holy night. Yeah. McLean's know, favorite song. Silent Night. I love Oh, holy acapella, night. Acapella, Silent Night with the four boys, now men, together singing. <laughs> now now uh, men. They've been men for like 25 uh, yeah, They were men years. when they were the Backstreet Boys. The one was like 27 when they hit their stride in like 98. Some boys. Um, but I also hope that they hit... Hit it big with a Mariah Carey esque original. Oh, a new that classic. becomes a standard. That's yeah. One keep of the three. Dreaming. Uh, that's all that's three. my hope. All I want, three. Don't one don't, of the three. I don't want cut one the of dreams these three. Short. I want one of these three to become a new Christmas. Oh, standard. I expect all three to become. Where a Christmas we hear we think it's like hey, Sinatra. Doesn't feel like Christmas unless Backstreet Boys are singing that song <laughs> yeah. that came out in 2022. I'll give you some odds on that. Well, I mean, who would have thought Mariah Carey would have had a classic that she's. Uh, I wouldn't have thought, she's but I would have thought, thought more than Chad's, Backstreet Boys. Chad's children will have the Yuletide cheer with an original Backstreet Boys Christmas song. Do you think oh, the Daddy, pitch Christmas isn't complete without the Do you think the, the pitch Backstreet was just Boys? this simple? Guys, here's what we're going to do. Male version, all I want for Christmas is you. Boom. Moneymaker. Let's make this happen. <laughs> is that what the Backstreet Boys went to their management and said? We have to write that song. We need to get in the Some studio male version of that. this June. To record these Yuletide classics. And they are back. Own. And they're going to keep coming back. The Backstreet Boys. Do you this think thing. they're busy? No. Like when they have to like get together to record? That no, I don't like, know if I can fit this in my schedule or not, guys. Right I mean, they tour, but when they're yeah, not they, touring. Yeah, they've been anything? on tour. Chad saw them recently. I did. It was packed out. Uh, they're doing very well. Packed house? How, how big a house? Bridgestone uh, Arena. Arena. Bridgestone Arena sold out. Skylar Callahan joins us next talking Carolina Panthers and the acquisition of Baker Mayfield and the deal that Carolina reportedly originally wanted Baker to take. That's next.